This podcast was produced in association with FunEmploymentRadio.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. Today is July 9th, 2017, and we have got a nice spread of nerdy stuff to discuss. It's just little old me again today, so get used to this grating man-child voice of mine. I'm going to breeze through some Spider-Man, a little SNES classic, some more dirt, some go-karts, and even a little Castlevania. Now, the usual pitch before the pod. Please like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash wagpodcast and subscribe and review the show on iTunes. You can also follow the show on Twitter at wagpodcast and be sure to email with suggestions, questions, and criticisms, as if there were any, to wagpodcastpdx at gmail.com. Now, on to the meat and potatoes. This is the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. So, first up today, Spider-Man Homecoming recently released, and much to, I don't know, everybody's surprise, my surprise, somebody's surprise, it's actually doing really well. It's uh, sitting at 93% on Rotten Tomatoes critic score, so I guess it's a certified hit. It didn't have a lot of competition cinematically this weekend, because there's not much else worth watching, I think, out there, but big surprise, I'm looking forward to now actually seeing it at some point, because... I, I'm not a huge Spider-Man like fan. I've seen all the movies, I believe, except for the second amazing one. Cause those were kind of poopy, but he's, he's a guy with superpowers. He does things, whatever a Spider-Man can, but at least I know it's not a bad movie to get into. And maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised and somehow become a fan more than I am. Anywho. If you're on the fence about actually watching the movie now, just like me, you've got perfect reason to go out and check it out. Second thing I had down, SNES has, or Nintendo has the SNES Classic coming out this year. And the list was revealed a couple weeks ago. I talked about it here on the podcast, but now I also see there's a lot of complaints coming up on the internet everywhere. It doesn't have every single game ever So, obviously, people are going to be disappointed. I was really kind of positive in regard to the... I mean, it is a small number of games, really. 21 games that came on it. But, like I said, it's a who's who of SNES classics. But, yes, there are a lot of things missing. Like, there's massive hits. Like, well, I say hits. I don't know how well they sold. But we're missing, like, ActRaiser 1 and 2. Those were really huge. We don't get Chrono Trigger, which, again, is a really huge game. But we did get Final Fantasy VI, or three, however we, whichever way you look at it. So, it's not like they didn't provide a good list. It's just, yeah, it's, it's hard to get everything for everyone. But it is still funny to see and hear the complaints. The, the other ones that I've seen, too, are just... The, the price and value of the thing really... It's $80, and yeah, it comes with a couple controllers, but you've got the 21 games that come with it, and that's it. It would be nice if you could add or further extend that collection somehow, which, shame on Nintendo for not doing that. I mean, if 
you've got the virtual console marketplace, whatever, on the 3DS, the Wii, the Wii U, and then I haven't verified this for myself, but apparently not on the Switch, which is crazy nuts. But you've got it in all these other systems, yet you release this little mini console that doesn't have access to that. It's just such a weird little niche thing now. I mean, I the only thing that I could see purchasing it for myself would be to have a cute little mini SNES on my shelf. Other than that, no real purpose, actually, because I've got other means to, to play all those other classic games. I've either bought them and owned them, or I have ROMs and emulators somewhere that I do not use because that's still a legal gray area. I'm just saying there's ways to play them. There's, there's access out there. I mean, yeah, you could go on the virtual, virtual console on any of those previously mentioned consoles and download these games. I think a lot of them, maybe. But that's the other thing. Even the virtual console doesn't have all of these games, per se. Like, I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with it. But I, it's like, what if they don't have console, Chrono Trigger on there? What if they don't have ActRaiser 1 and 2 on the virtual console? Like, there's literally no other legitimate avenue besides going out and finding the physical game out there in the world somewhere and probably paying too much for it. Unless you find it at a yard sale, of course, and pay 50 cents. But it's, it's I don't know. It's just a weird, middle-of-the-road, strange place that the classic consoles exist in. It's something that doesn't need to exist. It's cool for collector purposes. But really, honestly, playability and longevity... No, you're going to fire the thing up once, twice, maybe. I I can't even imagine somebody finishing one of these games. Like, who will sit down with their SNES Mini and play through Final Fantasy VI? There's probably a dozen of you out there in the world. But everybody else? I mean, it's it's just like a, a nice-to-have little cute thing. I don't know. It's just... The appeal for me is a very narrow band, I guess. I mean, there might be one night with buddies where you get together and play, like, the multiplayer games. Like, I think Street Fighter 2 was on there. That's it, kind of. Uh, it's weird. It's a weird thing, damn it. That's, that's my final word on it. SNES Classic, weird. Now, um, moving on to Dirt 4 that I will never shut up about because I'm such a freaking racing nerd. I have only been able to play it a little bit here and there, and since the release a few weeks ago, or a month ago, or whenever it was, I was doing pretty good. Now, I get on there, and I'm complete flipping trash. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what happened. I don't know if the if they updated something in the game. That's, that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, they, they patched in a new physics system, and yeah, I'm totally screwed. But it's most likely not that. It's just the world has caught up to me and the the player base is big enough now that I no longer just easily sit in the top 25%. I've actually got some work to do. So I obviously need to get back into good practice and spend more time playing the game, actually, instead of just getting on once or twice a week and thinking I'm hot shit because I am not. It, it's painful to know and realize, but eh, it's life. In other racing news, um, yesterday a buddy of mine and I went out to an actual go-kart track. And this isn't your little putt-putt golf course 
go-karts. This isn't your indoor electric go-karts on the tiny track. This is pretty legit eight horsepower race carts on an outdoor track that they actually use for racing leagues and like crazy shifter carts that go hundred miles an hour and even drift trials with real full-size cars. So <laughs> this place is kind of crazy. And actually they're today doing a drift trial out there, like a drift competition. So, <laughs> and now I just remembered too, they have the, they're using the facility next weekend, which is why I had to like hurry up and go this weekend. Next weekend, they're doing uh, like a concert festival for a couple of days. Not just any kind of concert festival though. Oh no, this is a cover band concert festival. <laughs> it runs for two days with on-site camping and it's all like hair metal style bands, like 80s and 90s cover bands. And I don't know, older than that too, because I think there's, there's like an ACDC cover band, an Aerosmith cover band, and like probably Def Leppard and God knows what else, but the weirdest damn thing. I'm looking at their, their schedule of events to try to figure out when we could get out there and look at this, this weekend. And we, we went on the eighth Saturday, but it said like, yeah, open rental carts all day, blah, blah, blah. But it didn't say anything for next weekend. Elsewhere on the page, they had a link to this, what do they call it? Hairfest, I think but it's H-A-R-E, like rabbit. But then it is, it's like a hair metal cover band festival. So I'm looking at that and it says that's going on next weekend. What it doesn't say anywhere is if the go-karts are going to be running. Because I, I don't know, that'd actually be kind of cool if you could go out there on the go-karts and while you're waiting around for the next round, you could listen to these cover bands or whatever. Well, no, turns out it's probably listed somewhere else. I couldn't find it, but... I open up the PDF that talks about the Hairfest, and they've got a map of the, the track. <laughs> and that's where the goddamn campground is. So, yeah, I don't think there's going to be go-karts running through people's tents and shit. But it was a, a little adventure trying to figure that out. But anyway, getting back to it, the place is called Pat's Acres, and it's down in Canby, Oregon. And like I said, it's pretty damn legit. It's it's as as close to like a... I don't know, mainstream, whatever you want to call it, professional level go-kart racetrack. Like I said, it's outdoors. You're, you've got oy, a bunch of turns. I don't even know how many. Let's see. One, two, three, four, like maybe 10 turns. So it's, it's pretty tight. There's one straightaway where you really do get up to the top speed that they claim was 55 miles per hour on the, the base level rental carts. They have a like a qualification thing that you could go through if you are consistently faster than this preset time, you can get into a faster cart that instead of eight or nine horsepower has 13. So there's also a couple of those out there running with us that they're not exceptionally faster. They weren't like lapping anybody, but they were definitely able to move through the pack a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, it was like 25 bucks around, which would get you a race of about 12 minutes, which equals out to 10 to 13 laps, depending on how fast you are. So that was 25 bucks each. And then you had to pay for an annual license for 12 bucks and whatever. So it's like a $60 day for two races, which was funny because we did those two races in the space of a couple hours. The guys in front of us, when we were trying to get in and 
buy our way in. It was it had to be some kind of bachelor party or something, but they bought six each. So <laughs> I don't know. One round would definitely not be enough. Two rounds felt pretty good. I think three rounds in a day would probably be pushing the limit. Like that's that's getting towards too much. Four would definitely be too much. Six? I don't think there was enough time in the day for these guys to actually do six rounds and especially to any kind of comfort. Oh. One of the other things that, that came up with it though is I wasn't the fastest by any means. I was I was able to keep up with everybody. I was never in anybody's way. I was passing people left and right, but still in the end was about middle of the pack because I think there was about 12 to 14 people on track and I would be, I was sixth and seventh in the two races, but the caveat to that, and because I'm a sore loser and I will point this out and I will fight to the death on it is everybody that was faster than me were like these tiny people. I'm not small by any means and I'm not huge. I'm 5'10 and just under 200 pounds. So normal ish. <laughs> there was like a 12 year old kid fastest time, both times. He probably weighed 90 pounds. That's bullshit. <laughs> In any kind of real racing, there's a balance of performance. So like with real race cars and probably like a real kart series, they have ballast or different configurations that they could throw at you, like lower the, the, the speed of the cart or add weight. So you're actually even with everybody. So my thing, my fighting words and put this on my tombstone is if that kid's cart weighed as much as my cart on the track, like with us in it, I would kick his ass. But other than that, it was an awesome experience. I recommend that crap to anybody, especially that specific place, knowing having been there and everything. It was a really cool experience. The track was neat. It was fun sliding around in the carts, you know, trying to figure out the best racing line without skating and sliding around. Never spun out, never crashed, which is always a good thing. And <laughs> there were some pretty dramatic crashes that, that people had. Nobody flipping over and getting scraped up or anything, but... Lots of people going off the track, lots of people spinning out and you basically come around a corner and there's just somebody sitting in the middle of the track sideways and you can see pretty far around and definitely in front of you. So I was never in danger of like killing anybody or running into anybody really, but it was exciting. It's fun. It's relatively cheap because good luck buying your own go-kart and finding a place to run it, right? So I think the value's there. There's different rates for different packages and stuff that you could do, but yeah, definitely highly recommended. And to everybody I invited that didn't go, get your shit together and we're going next time, damn it. I'll give a little bit more of a heads up, but do not pass this opportunity up again. Trust me. Moving on from that, something has been on my mind for a while, especially in terms of this podcast and what I want to do with it, where I want to go with it. Um, so one of the big things kind of short term is streaming live streaming potentially or probably like a more towards game videos like gameplay stuff where i would review and do like playthroughs and kind of just describe what's going on in the game how i feel about it you know video reviews that gameplay stuff whatever 
what I need is to actually get a capture card and hopefully be able to do it without having to upgrade any of my equipment. So I've got basically a budget of around $1,000. So like I said, I'm looking at a capture card first off. Questions then are which ones, because I know there's there's plenty out there at this point, but there's also the difference of onboard or USB or whatever, but using a laptop as my main studio computer, that takes away the the internal card. Now the other question is, do I try to upgrade my PC tower back to like today's specs or somewhere close? Because that's another thing is I should probably try to get into more PC games because especially with the indie game um, kind of network out there, everything comes out on Steam. So if I had a PC that was, I mean, not like indie games, most of them don't push a lot of pixels. So <laughs> they're not too hard on the hard, on the hardware, but like, um, I don't know. Do I spend a lot of that money on upgrading the PC that I can use that then to capture gameplay or use that as my my console basically and capture from it i i don't know so i'm definitely looking for advice i'm asking around trying to see what maybe other people are doing whatever the people's experience was so if you're out there and you do know a thing or two about it let me know otherwise i will have to pull the trigger half cocked and <laughs> see where we end up but that is a goal right now of mine is looking at, like I said, capture cards, and potentially a camera, because there's there's other content that I would like to film, I think, at some point. Some other ideas I had batting around with this podcast and outside of that as well. But yeah, like I said, hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, email with any kind of suggestions, recommendations you might have, um, things you know other people are doing, or things that you do yourself because I'm looking for anything. Like I said, I, I'm doing my research. I'm not going to go out and just buy a bunch of junk willy nilly. I, I, as condescending or not condescending, as arrogant as it sounds, I think I know what I'm doing. So I'm not too worried about it, but I, like I said, would love to know what other people are doing just to get, you know, some kind of sense of which way the wind's blowing. Another awesome little development recently, uh, Castlevania, the Netflix anime series is actually out. They put out four episodes on Netflix just the other day, and I really wasn't aware that it was coming that soon. I was looking around online and saw that there was a trailer that had been released, and then through that, I think I saw that there was the release date, and I think it came out on the, the 7th or the 8th. I think it was the 7th. Regardless, it's out. There's four episodes. It's already been renewed for a second season, which four episodes isn't really a season, but good. They've got more episodes on the way, so that's awesome. Now, <laughs> for an actual review of sorts of everything so far, my take on it is the animation is great. The VO was really good. So far, though, the writing and the kind of just expositional stuff that's gone on, it's pretty cringy. It's very, 
it's very anime, honestly. It 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 fits the the genre, but oh boy, there's like even in the trailer, that's that's the thing that first like keyed me in on it. There's this big thing of like exposition about Dracula and why he he wants to destroy the world, basically. But it was just so bad in the beginning of the the first episode. It has this scene that just it just opens up cold open into oh here's a castle here's a lady walking up to it and dracula answers the door or uh, what did it do i think it did the creepy like door opens no one's there the lady walks in she's just talking to nobody and oh here's dracula poof and he's zapping around the room and talking to her and basically they just start chit-chatting and that's his wife so <laughs> Like, I, I don't know, it was just this forced exposition of, here's, oh, look, it's Dracula, here's this lady, and, oh, by the way, they get married, and then she dies. So in the space of, like, five minutes, they've shown this arc that Star Wars took two and a half movies to develop, right? So, Dracula gets all pissed off, and just, um, what does he do? He remember he like threatened an old lady at one point, but then that's what, okay. He like appears as a big fiery face to the, the, the leaders of the church and the, the town folk that have burned his wife at the stake for being a witch because she believed in science and nobody reacts. <laughs> like none of the people are even remotely put off by this fact that there's a, a flaming face that's 35 feet tall screaming at him that you've got a year to kind of change your ways or atone for what you've done to me and my family and killing my wife and blah, blah, blah. And everybody's just like, yeah, whatever, bro. You think you scare us with your big fire face? Uh, yeah, you should be scared. (laughs) Like very, I don't know, weird, dumb, like just it's, I don't know. The, as a whole, the the whole package, it was it was nice to see, you know, the the really good pools from the game series. Is like you have Alucard, Trevor Belmont. It's basically based on Castlevania Three from the NES, and grabs the the kind of character motivation for Dracula from Symphony of the Night, because that was that whole story that Alucard is Dracula's son. And Lisa was Alucard's mother, Dracula's wife. The people killed her, and now Dracula swears war on all of humanity for this evil deed, or whatever you want to call it. But I like that. I like that they're they're pulling from that. What I don't like is the execution on that stuff. Like Dracula's voice actor is very good. It's it's a nice fitting voice, but it's also weirdly restrained in certain parts like when he's chewing out the village and telling him that he's going to kill them all because they they took his wife from him and blah 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 he's just kind of like describing like yeah hey you guys killed my wife and i didn't appreciate it so you've got a year to atone and then i'm going to come back and everybody's going to die how is he not like just god i'm gonna kill every single one of you like there's nothing there there's but then flip back to another scene where he's by himself and he like breaks his little mirror thing that was projecting his 
flame face with now he starts getting growly and angry and throwing shit around and that's when alucard walks in and they have their little so why i the, there's this weird disconnect like why did you do that here but not there so i don't know i for me it's like bad directing kind of thing but without that um trevor is set up as kind of the main character and god he's a terrible portrayal because they're showing him as like a douchey arrogant drunkard that kind of had a, a fall from grace like the family name is tarnished and he just flops around town doing whatever and everybody says that kind of blames them for the monsters coming around and killing everybody even though it it's very explicitly said by dracula that this is why this is happening so just goofy shit all around but i'm like two episodes in that's what i've seen so far i'm still gonna finish the first four because it's a very like closely held thing for me like that that game castlevania 3 i when i was growing up I got Castlevania 2, played Castlevania 1, never really was too crazy about it, but got 2, got 3, and played the hell out of those for a while, for years. Still, to this day, haven't beat either one of them, because they're hard as balls in their own ways. I know 2 is, like, pretty easy to to take advantage of. There's 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 short shortcuts and whatnot in that game, but Castlevania 3 is pretty straight up just hard. Beyond that... Like I said, I'm going to finish it out and maybe I'll come back with my final thoughts on the first four episodes. But as of now, I think it takes a real fan of Castlevania and anime to really get into it and enjoy it. It is enjoyable. There is fun stuff in it. It at times is exceedingly gory and profane, like for no reason. I I get like there's monsters and you want to kind of show that they're scary and bloodthirsty, but God, it's like people getting ripped apart and guts and blood and then even stupid uses of it. Like there was a couple of guys cleaning up their little shop stand and they're pulling intestines off the the top of their tent. Like just weird. Like I said, kind of unnecessary, but eh, it's, it's a taste thing, whatever. It's cool. Like I said, if you're a fan of Castlevania or anime, check it out. It's worth watching. Other big gaming news or success stories Crash Bandicoot, the little insane trilogy that they released. It's a, what do we call that now? A remastered version of the game, I guess, where they have taken the original games, the gameplay, the levels and everything, and basically rebuilt it from, I would think, the ground up to today's kind of standards for any kind of modern console like PS4. So... The Crash Bandicoot series, for anybody that doesn't remember, isn't old enough, etc. It was kind of touted as a an early days mascot for the old PS1. And they were a, a neat take on like a, a platformer style game where you don't just run left or right on the screen like Mario. You actually run into and away from the screen, which for the time was really unique and different. I I can remember maybe like Lion King did that on the, the Sega Genesis when you're running away from the wildebeests. There was that kind of thing, but not to this extent. I mean, again, with full polygonal levels and a whole new character and story and everything. And 
it's one of those classic collectathons where instead of coins or anything, you've got little fruits that you collect from crates and whatnot. And there's little pickups, power-ups, and lots of enemies and stuff to, to dodge. But lots of different varied gameplay. Like, it's not just running and jumping on stuff. There's different kind of puzzles, a lot of timing, timing your jumps. And then there's, like, the running away from or running towards things. So nice variety, and I think by the third one, they had developed a lot of extra stuff. Like, that's the one where they had, um, like, jet skis and motorcycle levels, I think, and riding on animals where you were open to more different directions of movement, even still, versus the the side-scrolling or vertical scrolling. So it was a, a classic series, actually one of the, the early series from Naughty Dog that now do... They did the Last of Us and the Uncharted series. So they're a huge studio now, and they are a Sony-only studio, so you can't find these on the Xbox or anywhere else. But very successful release in this new remastered series. It's actually the largest single title launched in the UK and like topping everything else that's come out so far this year. I'm not sure if it was just for the year or ever, but it's definitely doing well, and now that's got different people talking about maybe we'll get a Spyro revamp next, because the Spyro games were super popular back then. They were actually, from what I remember, they kind of pushed the limits of the like standard 3D adventure games and graphics and stuff, too, for the, the, the generation that they were in, because those came out on the PlayStation 1 as well. And Spyro... I don't know if Spyro is super popular, but he's a character in the Skylander series, which is huge. I mean, it started the whole little physical add-on, like, real-world DLC where you go out and buy the little miniature statues. And, I mean, that's turned into eight different franchises now where you've got the Nintendo Amiibos, so you can get all the Nintendo characters and add them into various games. You've got the Skylanders ones, which they split that off into two or three different series, I think. Then you've got the Lego series that does it. And I think Sony had their own, like, specific one for a while there, too. So, I mean, everybody's getting in on it. And, hey, the more the merrier. Because those classic games, like, the Crash games, the only one that I really loved was actually the kart racing one. So, hopefully, that's another, like sideline thing that that finally gets a remaster because there's plenty of momentum online for that to be released i mean when anybody asks about what games would you like to see remastered it's always on the list especially any kind of playstation fans moving on from there um new games on my way new <sighs> i hate being stuck in this this period but it's new to me because I'm getting, um, I've got it actually, I need to start playing it today, Call of Duty Infinite. Now, this is one of those fringe benefits of having Gamefly. Not only do you not have to buy brand new games at full retail price, you can rent them and send them back when you're done. You can also buy used games. So Call of Duty Infinite, it's been out for a while now, a, about a year, I think, or around there. But on Gamefly, through their used store, it was, I don't know, $15 a little bit ago. And being a Gamefly member for an extended period of time, 
you start getting um, quarterly coupons. So every, is it every quarter? I think it's every quarter. So like every three months, you get a $5 off coupon that you can use in their used game store. You can't use it towards your, your monthly membership dues, but you can use it on any used purchase. So those expire at the next start of the next quarter. But there's that day where your previous coupon expires, but you also get a coupon for the next quarter. So you basically have a day where you could have $10 off anything in the store. So whenever I get to that point, I always, they send emails to let you know when. So I always go onto the store and I look to see, you know, is there anything that really catches my eye? And it's always a price battle too. It's like, yeah, this game's all right, but still, is it worth $10? Like, it's so funny to, to be so anal about like that small amount, but Hey, it's still money. Money out the door is money out the door. So when I looked and I, on the, the $10 day, I swear Call of Duty was still 20 some odd dollars. Cause it was just enough to make me say, meh, maybe not. Well, get a couple emails later on. And now that I only have the $5 off coupon, well, here's Call of Duty Infinite that was on my list of things that I wanted to play at some point. Well, now it's only $13 minus the five, it's eight. So boom, pulled the trigger. It came within a few days. Like I said, I've got it out there. I'm looking forward to only playing the the single player because multiplayer Call of Duty, that, that takes a special breed of person. Um, that's a whole different kind of online gameplay than I would actually really like to spend any time with because that's where you get all the, the real like gross, like acidic personalities. And it's one of the games series that it's really easy to camp and troll people. And I just, yeah, it's, it's not my style. It's actually like the last time I played a call of duty online multiplayer was, Oh God, when was it? Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2 or 3, it's it's hard to remember, but it's just, it's, it's really fast-paced, which is good, but it ends up feeling too much just like an old FPS, like, like Quake Arena or something, like from back in the day where everything's super simple, like all the guns are overpowered and just way too many ways to kind of exploit it, because Battlefield is more my style of online multiplayer, where there's more strategy to it. The you're, you're basically like your life cycle is a little bit longer and it can take like more than one person to actually kill you. Whereas call of duty, I feel like, like I said, all the guns were overpowered where a pistol is mightier than a shotgun at any range and sniper rifles are in there too. And it's just bonkers. Like it's, it's cartoony in my opinion. And like I said, different strokes, different folks, but yeah, I'm looking forward to though, the single player experience, because that's something that always scores, um, very highly with all the reviewers and basically everybody that plays these games is yes, it's worth it to check out the campaign, the single player campaign before you jump into multiplayer or whatever. So for $8, I will definitely enjoy the 20 hours or whatever I can get out of the single player campaign. The thing that I am I believe missing out on is Call of Duty Infinite also had a special package deal where you could get Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2? Or was it the first one? I think it's the first one. Which 
it's like a remaster with upgraded um, graphics and everything. That game, that's, I think the last, maybe, no, I wanted to say that was the last campaign I played all the way through, but I think I've done a couple of them. But again, that's that's the, the best part of these games for, from my experience and for my needs and wants from gaming is getting in, playing that single player campaign because they've got all these super dramatic set pieces and just over the top action scenes, stuff that you would see in like a real Hollywood blockbuster summer action movie. So I definitely look forward to checking that out. I'll report back when I do eventually play it and finish it, but I'm I'm sure it's going to be a great experience and comparable to what everybody else out there has already said about it. Like I said, it's not a new game by any stretch. Um, the other one that I have coming though, eventually from Gamefly is Prey, another FPS game that's got a lot of attention recently and basically universal, um, oh God, why can't I think of words? You know, (laughs) you're in the studio, it starts getting hot and your brain just stops working. Universal praise and acclaim, um, that it's one of the best FPS games to come out in a while. And it's funny because it's a series that kind of is back from the dead and reincarnated as something completely different than what it was originally supposed to be. Because Prey, there was a, an original FPS Prey that came out ugh, 10, 10 years ago, probably by now. It's been a long time. I think that was like a PS2 or 3 era. But that one, you were actually a Native American guy that gets kidnapped from the U.S., like, current day, and has to, like, fight his way out of basically an alien farm collection thing. It it was weird. I never played it. I just remember kind of seeing news and reviews about it at the time. But they had a sequel in the works, Prey 2, but that's in that time where everything was really crazy in the gaming industry and studios were closing and going bankrupt and suing and doing all kinds of crazy shit. So it never actually saw the light of day. Now Bethesda ended up picking up the pieces and probably scooped up the, the license, um, for the actual, the IP of prey and now have turned that into a completely different game. So all that, alien kidnapping stuff from before has turned into this alien species that can mimic anything in the world. So they could be a stapler on a desk or a giant monster that's ripping you apart. So it's a whole new kind of direction for the series. And that's why it's prey again. And that's P R E Y like uh, a prey animal, like what the lions eat. (laughs) So that's you, more or less. That's that's the play on words here. You are the prey for whatever alien species is out to kick your ass whatever day. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's got, like I said, critical acclaim from every direction and should be very exciting. Another little snippet of news. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn got an update recently. Another game that I say is completely fantastic and mandatory for any PlayStation owner to check out. But they added a new game plus and an ultra hard difficulty. They also added another tier of weapons. So once you've beaten the game, the new game plus is basically you start over from the beginning of the game, but you have all of the leveled up equipment that you had from the previous one. 
I also saw, though, they didn't increase the level cap. So whatever point your health and everything get to, it's locked there. There is no, like, continuation. So it's, I mean, it's not an RPG, so I wouldn't expect something like that. But it's still kind of, meh, kind of weird. But with the New Game Plus, like I said, everything's a little bit more difficult. But you have all your upgraded gear. And you have this ultra-hard difficulty that makes everything um, more difficult. And it sounds like in a more dynamic way than usual. And what I mean by that is typically when a game adds like an extra difficulty or you put it on ultra hard mode or whatever, all that ends up doing is giving either your player less hit points or you take more damage or the enemies just take more damage. Well, what they say they've done with Horizon is they've made the enemies more or less smarter or more aggressive. So instead of I'm sure if like you look at the the table of actions for the the different AIs they set like a kind of a delay before they'll actually attack you or chase you or whatever. So if they shrink those those little attributes of time to make the animals more aggressive, that's that, that's perfect. That's great. Now, I don't know if that means they also did the the cheap stuff where yeah, they made them do more damage and take more damage or if that's really the only thing they did was just make them more aggressive and more accurate, potentially. But I applaud that. I like it when they're more creative with enhancing the difficulty because there are a lot of stupid ways to cheat it. Like, in racing games all the time, like, Gran Turismo is the worst for that, where when you change the difficulty, it literally changes nothing else but how hard the AI-controlled cars push the gas. Like, you can literally go into the replays in Gran Turismo and jump from car to car. So you can see your car, you can see everything it's doing, gas and brake and everything, and it shows you how much gas is being applied, how much brake is being applied, etc. Well, you jump to a computer-controlled car, and you can literally see that the acceleration with yours, it goes from 0 to 100%, and it's just on and off. Like, whenever you're hitting the gas, you're always, most of the time, going full throttle. Well, you look at the computer and in those same scenarios where they should be going full throttle, say on like a straightaway, it's not. It's on the highest setting even. They only go to like 90%, 80, 90%. And then it cuts back from there to like the lower difficulties. That to me is cheating. That's like an easy way out. Instead of changing how the AI actually approaches the turn or how aggressive they are once you try to pass them or anything like that. Nah, we just make them drive slower. It's cheap. It's lazy. But like I said, Horizon Zero Dawn hopefully didn't take those easy routes. Or if they did, they've actually added to it, like I said, by making it more aggressive. But I digress. It sounds cool. It makes me want to get back to the game. But I also don't really want to jump back in yet because we've got DLC coming later on this year, I believe December, that's supposed to add a lot of content to the game. So that's kind of what I'm waiting for. Kind of a wait and see for me. Another thing that I saw, there's some stupid stuff going on. Um, one of the funny ones, though, was somebody released uh, Assassin's Creed, if it were made in 1998, video. <laughs> it's a, a studio or account, whatever you want to call it, on YouTube called 98D-Make. So instead of remake, it's a D-Make because it's a downgrade. 
And they've got a bunch of different videos of different game series reimagined from the eyes of a PlayStation 1 gamer in 1998. So you get all the blocky models, the 10-foot draw distances, and the choppy animations that were all the rage back then. <laughs> it was the pinnacle, really, of the technology. But looking back now, it's pretty embarrassing, honestly. And yeah, the Assassin's Creed one is hilarious. Like, just seeing how bad it could have been if they hadn't waited for, like, the PlayStation 3 era to do those open-world games, especially. But there was another one on there for like the Grand Theft Auto 5 opening cinema thing. So there's there's funny stuff out there. Check it out. The other thing that I saw that was really just flat out stupid, there is a musical artist named Dion DiMucci, something like that. They are suing ZeniMax, which is the parent company of Bethesda that make like the Fallout series and um, Skyrim, the Elder Scrolls series. There's, he's suing Bethesda and ZeniMax for showing violence and killing in their Fallout 4 trailers, which feature his song, The Wanderer. Why the hell would you license your song to some company that makes video games with people's heads exploding? We need the common sense police. Like, what the F? He wants a million dollars because he was supposed to have some kind of final say in the, the final edit of that trailer, I guess, which ZeniMax allegedly failed to do. They failed to haggle with him directly. So it sounds like they went through his management company, obviously, to get approval to use the video or the, the song in their video. But somehow, some way, that context never came into it. So, I don't know, what was his management company doing besides cashing the checks? Who sees a trailer, this, this is the other thing, who sees a trailer for Fallout and is disgusted in the musician whose song plays over it? That doesn't make any goddamn sense. Like, if you're watching a, a trailer for Fallout 4, one, you most likely already know what Fallout 4 is. Two, you don't care about, like, the music and how it's attached to or plays into it. Like, how does that ever matter? I, I can't do the mental math on this. Like, I try to imagine, okay, if some grandma is somehow playing around on the internet and stumbles across a, an ad that says, or a video link that says, like, oh, yeah, it's got the, the song The Wanderer in it. Oh yeah, let me check this out. Oh my God, the horror. There, there's heads exploding and what happened to the world? It's It looks post-apocalyptic. I'm so scared. What is that ever going to affect? It's so bizarre. But the last question I also had was, who is Dion DiMucci again? I, Alas, that's about all I've got gas for today. Um, kind of a short episode. It's just me trying to get something out there so you don't forget who I am or that I exist. Please don't forget about me. <laughs> don't you forget about me. Is that Dion DiMucci? Was that one of his songs? I don't know. Anyway, that was it. That's all I want to talk about for now. It's, it's still hot. Summer sucks. So stay inside. 
play some video games with the AC going, get out of your studio, go see the world. Um, if you're in a summer shit, you should be out playing around. Maybe you're, maybe you're on your boat out in the middle of the lake and swimming around and drinking some beers, except for the boat driver. You never do that. Wear your life jackets. Don't drink and drive because you will get a DUI that applies to your car driving license. Don't say I never taught you nothing. Until next time, I am Jason Chevron Chops, whatever you want to call me. This has been the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. Again, you can like the page, the Facebook page, facebook.com slash wagpodcast. Um, Follow on Twitter, at wagpodcast, and the website for finding all the new episodes, any kind of little news and whatnot, is wagpodcast.com. Also, rate and review on iTunes. All that stuff. Thank you for tuning in. This is Jason, signing off. Toodaloo.